should ask yourself who taught you to hate being what God gave you. Welcome to Do Not Hate Podcast. My name is Tuana and I'm your host. Do Not Hate Podcast aims to introduce you to unique perspectives with the help of our guest speakers from different backgrounds with the same mission, creating a hate-free society. Do Not Hate is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and a social platform run by students with a mission to contribute to efforts in the goal of resolving lingering problems in our society related to hate. Uh, We basically seek to develop public awareness for diverse cultures, beliefs, traditions, and opinions, and unite different points of views on common issues and encourage people to engage in solving shared problems. Today, I have a very, very special guest with me. Born in Turkey with Kurdish roots, Özlem Çekic was one of the first women with a Muslim immigrant background to be elected to Danish parliament where she served from 2007 to 2015. She's now General Secretary of the organization, The Bridge Builders uh, Center for Dialogue Coffee. She's also an author, speaker, advisor, and active in public debate, especially around humanitarian issues. Uh, In 2018, she was only the second day to be invited to give TED Talk in New York about her invention of Dialogue Coffee a new way of meeting and communicating even with the people with whom you might disagree. During her time as a member of the Danish parliament, uh, Aslam's inbox was full with hate mail and threats. She first responded by deleting the emails, but then she started replying and inviting those who had sent her abusive messages to meet and engage in dialogue, and she calls it Dialogue Coffee. She has met with, you know, neo-Nazis, racists, and religious extremists as she works to try to understand the origin of the hate and find a common language and develop like a toolkit for building bridges. Today, we will be talking about Islam's story, her projects, including Dialogue Coffee, and we'll be discussing youth's impacts and peace building. Again, it's such a huge honor for me to be able to have this conversational interview with you. Thank you for accepting my invitation and being with us today. Oh, thank you. And it's an honor for me that an uh, organization like yours with a lot of volunteers and young people active, they want to talk with me. So thank you so much for the opportunity. So I just want to start by asking, I already introduced you, but who is Aslam Chekaj? What kind of a background does she have? Um, I was born, as you say, in Turkey from Kurdish parents and uh, we moved to Denmark when I was a young child. Uh, I'm coming from a worker family. My mom has only three years education behind her and my dad has learned to write and read in the military when he was a young uh, boy. So they are immigrant, they have a dream to uh, have give their children a good fu- uh, f- uh, future. So that was the reason they f- uh, moved to Europe. Um, 
and first living in Germany, but the salary was so low. So, uh, so they decided to take to my father. It was my father uh, in the beginning to Finland. And there he could uh, get uh, my mom, me and my sh uh, big brother with him. So we live in Finland a couple of years, but the the life was very um, alone for them because there were no one they know. They work all the day and all the people they know from the village, from the Turkey, they live in Denmark. So they said, okay, let's live in Denmark. Let's move to Denmark. And after a couple of years, when we have this uh, money uh, to buy a house in Turkey, we can, we can move back. So they, mm -hmm. they come to Denmark. Uh, and it was the plan that they will live here only a couple of years. But after we grow up and, you know, uh, was integrated in Denmark and get a Danish language, it was difficult for my parents to move back to Turkey. So now they're talking about that uh, they want to go back home, but for us, Denmark is home. So I am home in Denmark. So, uh, and after that, I get the, my education. I was the first one in my family with education. I am nurse. Uh, I work with psychological problems, children and adults. And in 2007, I ran for a seat in the Danish parliament as one of the first women with a minority background. And I was elected and I had to quickly get used to finding hate messages in my inbox. And mm -hmm. that is the reason that I start with the Dala coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a, such an interesting story. When I watched your TED talk for the first time, I was really amazed. So this brings me to my second question. You start getting hate mails, but usually first response people give is to you know, delete them. And that's what you, I think, did for the first time. Yes. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and it, it, I did it because I think they didn't understand me and I didn't understand them. And all the emails, they'd start with words like terrorist, rack hat, whore. So, um, so I never answered the emails. Uh, and I thought that the senders and I had nothing in common. Uh, mm -hmm. Then in 2010, a Nazi began to harass me on the phone. And um, it was a man who had attacked Muslim women on the street. And over time, it became really nasty. And one day, I was at the zoo with my children and the phone kept ringing. It was the Nazi. And I had the impression that he was close. So we headed home. And when we got back, my son asked, why does he hate your mom when he doesn't even know you? And, uh, and I said, some people are just stupid. <laughs> and, at, and at the time, I actually thought it was a pretty clever answer. And I suspect that is the answer most of us would give, that the others are stupid, ignorant, fanatics, brainwashed, and we are the good guys. But one day, one of my the, uh, colleagues in the parliament asked me what I did with all the emails. And I told her that I... I delete them. And he said, oh, it's a very bad idea because when something happens to you, it'll give the police a lead. Save them. And I've, of course, noticed that she said when something happens <laughs> and not if. So, yeah. that was, so that was the reason that I save all the uh, hate mails. But uh, you, maybe you know it. Hate is very difficult thing because when 
when you receive a lot of hate, uh, it's um, hate and threats, it's always going together. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was so afraid. At, and I uh, parked my car in different places. I tried to take time how long it will take from the parking place to co- come uh, home. And I called my husband and said, if I'm not home after 22 seconds, you have to look out at me. Maybe it's because something, maybe I'm dead. <laughs> maybe they killed me. And then... Um, and and it's so irrational, but that is what's happening with us. And that is the reason a lot of politicians, they always make politics on freight. Because it's much easier to motivate people with freight than with hope. How did you decide for the first time to meet up with people who send you hate mail? And what was your first interaction with a like hater of yours like? What were your thoughts before you, you know? You know, it, it is not my idea. It's <laughs> uh, because I only talk with people all the problems, uh, the consequence of receiving so many hate mails because I get secret address. I have to take uh, care of my children. And mm-hmm. I have, I think every year I still, still, I give almost 13 uh cases to the police so we ha- and we had a lot of cases in the uh in the court and so it was very chaotic and uh, and one day i sit with my friend and uh, and i cried i can remember we was in his uh kitchen and and i said and i asked him and i said what should i do what should i do with all the racism and he looked at me and uh, and he said you should visit them. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh my God, they will kill me. And and then he said, they would never attack the member of the parliament. Mm-hmm. And anyway, if they killed you, you'd become a martyr. So it's <laughs> pure win-win situation for you. But but what what's the point of contacting racist? I asked them. Then then and 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 he said something I thought lot of yeah i used so much time to think about because he said then you can confront your own racism but Mm -hmm. i didn't understand him because i wasn't a racist Mm -hmm. anymore because let let me take you on my (laughs) journey because when i was a little girl i saw photos of dead palestinian children and i Mm -hmm. hate and i hate jews then mm-hmm. a Jewish girl started at my school and gradually my friendship with her vaccinated me against my generalization against the Jews. And today mm-hmm. I have a lot of Jewish friends. And mm-hmm. as a teenager, I was on the receiving end of the hate. Uh, one day I was walking down the street and I was wearing a headscarf when a young guy spat at me. And I hated him and all mm-hmm. other Danes. But then one day I started working in a supermarket and my boss and my colleagues were very nice. And they vaccinated me against my own prejudices against the Danes. So when my, so when my friend said you should confirm your own racism, I think, oh my God, I, didn't, I, I, I don't hate any, anyone more because uh, I, my friendship with Jews and Danes have vaccinated me against uh, prejudices. But 
uh, I after that I think maybe it will be good to visit these people so I could make them good again. You know, in my mm-hmm. head there were the bad guys and I was the good guy. So when if they met a Muslim as me who pay tax and support democracy, they will maybe be good again. So that was mm-hmm. my mission. So my mission was not to learn something or confirm on my own racism. My mission was that I want to make them good again. So mm-hmm. that was the reason I decided to uh, to visit, uh, to, to open the email box where I have saved all the emails to call uh, one of them to ask them to meet me to coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what was what was your first interaction with that person like? Like, how did it go? You know, the first one I want to contact, his name was Ingolf. And he had mm-hmm. sent me so many hate mails. And uh, and he said always, I, I, I still talk with him sometimes now. And, and he said, it was not hate mails, but it was not low mails too. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he started to call me terrorists. So. For me, it's not so much love in that. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, he was on my um, list two weeks. And I had so many good reasons to not call him. Uh, and I think, oh, it's rain. It's not a good day today. And uh, oh, I didn't eat chocolate. And maybe tomorrow. And uh, But... One day I decided to call him just once so I could say, so I could uh, at least say I had tried. And uh, I can remember I was sitting in a car and I just called him because I didn't expect that he will answer the phone. Mm-hmm. But to my surprise and shock, he answered the phone. So I blurted out <laughs> and uh, and I talk so fast. And I say, hello, my name is Özlem. You have sent me so many hate mails. You don't know me. I don't know you. I was wondering if I could come around and we could drink a coffee together and talk about it. <laughs> and after that, there was silence on the line. And then he said, I have to ask my wife. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I can remember, I thought, what? The racist has a wife? So it was, it was so strange. You know, it's like my father. My father can be so hard with his language. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's no matter who's calling him and inviting him to something, he always say, let me ask my wife. Yeah, that's such a so, normal people thing to do. <laughs> yeah, so, so when Ingolf did that, I think, oh my God. You have something in common with my father. But in my head, he was a monster. Mm-hmm. I have already labeled him as a racist, as mm-hmm. a fascist, nazist. I have so many words to bes- uh, describe who he, he, yes. uh, mm-hmm. he was. So, um, But a couple of days later, uh, we met at his house and I will never forget when he opened his front door and reached out to shake my hand and I feel so disappointed because he looked nothing like I imagined. I expected a horrible person and a dirty messy house. It was not. His house smelled of coffee. Mm-hmm. 
which he served from a coffee set <laughs> identical to the one my parents used. So I ended up staying for two and a half hours. And, um, and I was really, really shocked about how much we have in common. Even our prejudices were alike. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, he told me that when he waited for the bus and it stopped 10 meters away from him, it was because the driver was a racket. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that when I was a young girl and hate Danes and the bus stopped 10 meters away from me, I was sure that the driver was a racist. Mm-hmm. So when I got home, I was very ambivalent about my experience. On the one hand, I really liked Inkov. He was pleasant and easy to talk to. But on the other hand, I couldn't stand the idea of having so much in common with someone who had such clearly racist views. So gradually and painfully, I came to realize that I had been judgmental, just like the ones who had sent me hate mails. So I started with Ingolf, but I didn't stop with Ingolf. So he was the first I visited, but after that, uh, I used 10 years, 10 years to visit people who sent me hate mails. Um, to try to understand why, why they hate people they don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have one more question. So you mentioned that you have made it a rule of yours to meet people who send you, you know, hate mail in their own places. And you also make sure to take food with you. So what's the reason for these rules? You know, <laughs> the reason I always take food is something happens with us when we met each other and eat together. Because mm-hmm. it is so difficult to have a fight when we eat together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's something nice when we eat together. So it's easier to make peace and it's something normal about the situation when you eat something together. We do, mm-hmm. we, we eat with our friends, with our family and it's all, always something good. Uh, so, but we always fight with our enemies. So we always uh box with them but it's difficult when you change the rules when you said mm-hmm. okay uh yeah we are very disagree about a lot of things but let's start to drink a coffee together and uh, for example one of one of the rule is don't be disagree before you drink your coffee <laughs> before you enter drink your coffee because some mm-hmm. of people they are so uh, focuses on how they can uh, confirm the other person. So they mm-hmm. start with the discussion, but a lot of us don't know the others. We think we know. We, we, we have this, we imagine that we know each other, but I know it from my own family. You know, my father votes for Turkish President Erdogan, and I can't visit Turkey. Because I, mm-hmm. I criticize uh, President Erdogan. Now I'm blacklisted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one day we saw the election, Turkish election in my house. And my mom said, I will only come if you promise me you will not talk about what you see in the TV. Imagine mm-hmm. one for five hours you are looking in the TV and seeing about the election results like you did w- with the election in US and you will not comment what you're seeing. 
But that mm-hmm. was the reason because every time I discuss with my father, we always fight. And uh, after the evening, my father said, we won. And, and I said to him, no, no one win because we lose. We are, you are my father, yeah, I'm your uh, daughter, and we're sitting five hours in the same room, but we couldn't talk about what we see, saw in the TV. I think it was mm-hmm. a very good comment, you know, it was good. <laughs> uh, and after that, my father asked me, and, and he said, Özlem, do you think you're a very tolerant person? And I said, of course, it could be, <laughs> it, it, it could be my last name. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, if you are so tolerant, why is it so difficult to you to accept that I am voting differently than you? And I, mm-hmm. and I couldn't answer him. And that is the problem that when we met each other, it is so important for us to confirm uh, the others that we have a winner, a, a loser. But conversation, dialogue is not debate. Debate is different. You have a loser, a winner. But dialogue means that you want to learn something about the other. That, that is the reason you have to drink your coffee before you disagree with the others. You have to eat together so you can laugh together. Because when we laugh together, it's easier to cry together. And we mm-hmm. have to acknowledge the other person's courage. Because a lot of people saying to me, oh, it is so, you are so courageous. But I always say, I'm not so courageous. The person who's opened his door and inviting me into their home is much more courageous than me because I never invited them in my house. But when I asked them and I said to the people who sent me hate mail, can I come and visit you? They always said yes. So when mm-hmm. they opened the door and I said to them, Oh my God, you are so courageous. So men, th- thank you so much. They always said, Oh, of course, come inside. I just make a cake, coffee for you. I think, I think it's important that we not label people because people are more in their own opinion. They are more in one opinion. People are, for example, I visit the, a man, Kim. Kim is favor of the death penalty and wants mm-hmm. to kill Muslims on a Friday mm-hmm. afternoon in front of the mosque. But as Denmark has a very strict law on weapons, he can't get a gun. He never writes words like rakat or whore, but his words hurt in other ways. He says, Özlem, with the sweet brown eyes, you can't stay in my country because we want a pure Denmark. So one day I visit him in his little uh, holiday home. Uh, Kim also believed that rape is the fault of the victim, not the mm-hmm. rapist. And at one point he looked at me and said, if you were sitting here naked and I was sitting here naked, would something happen between us? Oh, I, I glanced over the wall by the thing where, where a number of kitchen knives were hanging. I, and I start counting them. One, mm-hmm. two, three, four. There were 17 in total. Mm-hmm. And I was frightened. And I decided to s- say it out loud. And I said, Kim, I'm frightened. Should I be? But I could see that my question had shocked him. And he said, <laughs> no, no. 
I would never dream of harming you. But I was also frightened before you arrived, he said. Mm. And I asked him, why? And he said, I thought you would bring all your Muslim cousins with you to smash up my house. <laughs> you know, it is a bit tragic because Kim and I were the same age. We hadn't mm -hmm. met each other before. We both spoke the same language and considered Denmark to be our country. We were sitting opposite each other, but we were afraid of each other. Mm -hmm. and, and we are not, no one are born with such feelings, but still we are afraid of each other. I have been talking to Kim for several years now. There are many trenches between us, but bridges have also been built. Uh, when my mother got cancer, Kim was the first to call to wish her a long life and mm -hmm. added and added then said, call me if you need some cannabis oil, okay? <laughs> you know, you know, Kim, Kim has many identities. Some would say that he is a racist, but he's also a husband, an employee, mm -hmm. a son, a neighbor, and a citizen. Mm -hmm. When we label, when we call them racist, we forgot to consider the whole person and instead reduce them to one opinion. Mm -hmm. And in the last nine years of drinking dialogue coffee, I have not met anyone who has become less racist as a result of being called a racist. Never. Mm -hmm. I have a question regarding the organization that you've been running. So dialogue coffee slash the bridge builders is almost, I would say, 10 years old. So during a decade of running it, you know, uh, you had a chance to basically organize many projects on But what is what? What do you do with the Bridge Builders organization? What are you? What are some of your projects? So in Denmark, um, the current organization we call Bridge Builders. Uh, we have recently trained 600 Danish school children who come from very different backgrounds and in how to talk to people they disagree with. This is an important lesson for all of us because we all demonize. So, and, and we learn the school children that uh, they have to be much more tolerant. And, um, and it means that not that we have to have the same opinion about everything. No, it means that we have to have much more freedom to be different. We have to tolerate the differences without banding the differences. Because a lot of people say, okay... Let's me, uh, I tolerating you. I am a very tolerant person, but, and after that, they have very long list. They want to forbidden. And I don't, I don't believe that the opinions disappear because we forbidden them. I don't, mm -hmm. I, I really don't believe that. I really believe that we have to have a dialogue with each other. And of course, dialogue is the most difficult thing. It is the most difficult thing in a democracy, but it is the most necessary thing too. So in Denmark, we uh, educate children, we educate adults, uh, we make different activities where people with different uh, backgrounds meet each other. Because some miracles happens when you meet your own prejudice. You know, a lot of That's people true. have mm -hmm. so many pictures in their head about the others. But the others are not monsters. 
They are mm-hmm. like your father, your mom, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your friend. It, it could be your, your neighbor. A lot of people, they think that racism is happening in the other country, in the other city, in the other street, in the other neighbors. But we, we have it all inside. The evil exists in, in every human's heart. Uh, but we are much more focused on what, dif- what the others making wrong, but not so much mm-hmm. how we can be part of the solution. You know, mm-hmm. I really believe that peaceful and respectful dialogue with other peoples can move opinions. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that what they're saying, it is acceptable. It's not because I'm saying that Racism is good that mm-hmm. we have just accepted, but I don't think it's disappear because we're saying we will not accept it. How, mm-hmm. how can we let it disappear? We have to meet each other and you can't make peace process with your friends. Peace process, mm-hmm. all peace process in the world, it's making between enemies. So you have mm-hmm. to talk with the others. And it is, it is difficult. I accept mm-hmm. that, but I can't see what is the alternative. You always say in your interviews too, in your TED talk too, that you believe, you know, if we want to prevent hate and violence, we have to talk to as many people as possible for as long as possible while being as open as possible. Because uh, during these meetings, uh, a particular theme keeps coming up when I have all this dialogue coffee. It shows up regardless of whether I'm t- speaking to a woman or a man, a Muslim or a Christian, a- American a citizen and Danish citizen. They all seem to think that other people are to blame for the hate and the generalization of groups. They mm-hmm. believe that other people have to stop demonizing. They point at politicians, the media, their neighbor. Mm-hmm. But when I ask them, what about you? What can you do? The reply is usually, what can I do? I have no influence. I have no power. Mm-hmm. But we all have power and influence where we are. So, and so we must never underestimate our own potential. So it is, it is so important that we believe on the dialogue's power. Because mm-hmm. it is very powerful that you can talk with the people you disagree with mm-hmm. and you can learn something about yourself your own values when you're talking with the others but it is necessary in a democracy to know why other people's argument as they do why mm-hmm. are there reasons uh, why are they decide that why are their choices, their values? You should talk with the people. That is the only way you can do something for the democracy. And, and please don't think that after you talk one time, you build the bridges. You know, mm-hmm. the bridges between people, it takes a lot of times as the physical bridges. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't build a physical bridge after one day. So you have to be patient. So I was just going to ask you, since we're a youth organization, you know, run by youth, basically young volunteers. So what do you think is youth responsibility in peace building? What can we do? What you can do. A lot of the NGOs who are working with 
racism or polarization the the biggest fall they make they always talk with their own friends mm-hmm. people who agree with them so they always uh, and i can see it the same in denmark i visit brazil i visit greenland spain indonesia a lot of places after the, my ted talk they always meet the others in the same echo chamber Mm-hmm. You know, if you really want to make change, you have to talk with the others. You have to come out from the echo chambers. And mm-hmm. echo chambers is very nice place to be because we all want to be with friends who agree with us, who say that we are the good person and the others the bad person. But the problem with echo chambers is that the prejudices is burning. So when mm-hmm. you don't know the others, You have so many prejudices, and there, the biggest problem with the polarization exists. So, if you want to make make a difference, let the people meet each other, mm-hmm. cook some food, let them laugh together, and 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 remember that the purpose with the dialogue is not to be agree. It mm-hmm. is a very, very good thing in a democracy that you have freedom to have different opinions. Mm-hmm. And you can't have this conversation or discussion without doing personally, without going after the person, mm-hmm. but after the opinion. Uh, so, so build the bridges with the others. Talk with the people no one wants to talk with. Mm-hmm. Visit the people no one want to visit. Be friends with the people no one want to be friends with. That is that that will make the change. Mm-hmm. So we're at the end of our um, conversation, at the end of our interview. But I just want to thank you so much for you know being with us today, answering all these questions, and being the inspiration you are. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, and thank you for your pleasure. job.